that wine was before him, and I took up the wine and gave it unto the king. Now I had not been before time sad in his presence. Wherefore the king said unto me, Why is thy countenance sad, seeing thou art not sick? This is nothing else but sorrow of heart. Then I was sore afraid, and said unto the king, Let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad when the city of the place of my father's sepulchres lieth waste? And the gates thereof are consumed with fire. And we'll just stop there and make it get through a few verses here, um, Lord willing, tonight. You know, one of the hardest things to do in life is probably, I think it's right up there, is to wait. How many like to wait? I mean, that's a, nobody really. It depends on what you're waiting for. I mean, if you're waiting for sentencing after a court date, you might want to wait on that for a little while, as long as possible. But by and large, we just, there, there's something about us, something about me, especially. I just don't like to wait on stuff. I mean, if I'm ready, I want to go. I want stuff done. I want things, people to get their stuff done so I can get my stuff done. And uh, I just don't like to wait. I don't like stoplights, right? Some people call them traffic lights. No, they're stoplights because they stop progress, right? I, I know they're safe. I mean, there's a place for them. I get it. But, but that's my uh, my pessimistic side, as I call them, they're stoplights. Why? We're waiting. How about that intersection at 160 in Maine? Those are the longest lights I've ever been at in my life. It's like traffic's backed up forever. It's like, just why don't you do them? I'd like to program them differently. And, of course, they'll never ask me about it because I don't know what I'm doing. But stoplights, right? What about slow drivers in the fast lane? Amen. What about semis that get over there? They decide to pass up the hill, Right. And it takes them three miles to get around. All right. Oh, my. I just. <laughs> waiting. I hate it. I hate it. I can't stand waiting at, at times. you right. Boiling water. Right. Some people don't like to wait for their tax refund. If you get a tax refund. Can I remind you while you wait for your tax refund, they got your money interest free for a whole year. Anyway, so tax ref- How about the guy in the checkout that hasn't excelled in math past, I don't know, second grade, where it says 20 items and he's got 47? I mean, it's not even 21, it's 47. And it's like you can see this tight and you're waiting behind them, right? I tell you what, I'm irritated already. I just don't like waiting. I don't. You don't either. Yeah. We don't like to wait. We do not. But you know, the mark of maturity in the life of a believer is faithful waiting upon God. Listen, that's a maturity that God works in us. Psalm 40, verses 1 through 3, you know how this says, David said, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. He's put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it in fear and shall trust in the Lord. Look, look at the outcome of waiting patiently for the Lord salvation, joy, all of these things, uh, uh, stability in the life. And as we saw uh, maybe a couple weeks ago uh, here in the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah had a burden for his native land. Though he never lived there, it was still home. It was still the lineage. It was still uh, God's uh, people and God's place in the promised land that was given to his father Abraham. But he, he wanted to do something about it. Here they are in captivity, and he got the word, you remember, that it was just, it has been destroyed. The gates are down, burned down. The walls have fallen down. And uh, 
He had just got this burden, this burden for his homeland. And this is what a burden will do is it will, if it is a real burden, it'll move you to action. And no doubt he wanted to be moved to action, but not so fast here. We'll see tonight a burden that God brings must be done in God's time and in God's way. Or I'm telling you, it'll, it'll come to a complete failure. And some people say, well, I don't know. I've seen people do things in their own way, in their own time, and it's not a failure. They actually accomplish it. Well, that's actually worse, actually, because when we do it in our own power, in our own glory, God doesn't get the glory he deserves. Oh, listen, a lot gets accomplished in, in, in churches and in ministries. Absolutely. I don't know how much of it sometimes, how much of it is all of God, or if it's just the, if it's all man. Sometimes that happens. It does. See, we need to wait on God. We need to wait on Him. This is what Nehemiah does. This is what he did here. Look at verse 11 of chapter 1. That last verse in chapter 1. He said, O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and to the prayer of thy, um, prayer of thy servant who desire to fear thy name and prosper, I pray thee, thy servant this day and grant him mercy in the sight of this man for I was the king's Cup bearer. Look at verse 1 of chapter 2. And it came to pass in the month Nisan, in the 20th year of Artaxerxes, the king that wine was before him, and I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had not been before time sad in his presence. Nehemiah, as we know this, most of us in here tonight are well acquainted with Nehemiah as a cup bearer. Kings of the, that, era, that era, or an error, but that era were uh, were assigned cupbearers. They were people they could trust. They were people they could rely on. They were staff members who were responsible for overseeing all of their dining activities, right? All of their things. Uh, cupbearers in ancient Mesopotamia worked closely alongside not only kings, but other government workers. Why? Because poison was a very easy way, a, an undetected way to get rid of somebody in power. And so this was the job of the cupbearer. Sounds exciting, doesn't it? It's like, what did I do wrong to get this job? Actually, the opposite's true. It was a very trusted position. Very trusted position. They had the responsibility of testing the drinks, testing the food for any possible uh, poisoning. They were trusted. They really were. They worked so closely with the king that some people, some historians said that they were, they were involved many times with other decisions that the king would make. They were like cabinet members or an advisor, very trusted. This, this is Nehemiah, this Jew who was is, who is, who is born here in captivity uh, in Babylon, who is the king's cupbearer to Artaxerxes. The, the cupbearer could move up the ladder per se, Right? Uh, the man by the name of Sargon who started the Akkadian Empire began as a cupbearer and eventually moved to become the king. That's pretty good. From a cupbearer to king. Boy, that has a ring. That's a good title. Somebody ought to write a book about that, right? But here's one thing about this cupbearer. And you see it here in verse 1. Uh, verse 2, they could not show any sadness of emotion. They couldn't do that. Decisions had to be made very quickly. If food was poison or thought to be, they couldn't wait for the testing. They could, I mean, they just had to make quick decisions. Sometimes they'd have to test the food and taste it a little bit to see, look further into it. Decisions had to be watched. Decisions had to be made right now. It wasn't like, oh, okay, hold on a minute, King. We'll get your food. It'll be back in about 
give us about three or four hours and we'll get it back to make sure it's all right. It's like, uh-uh. He's not waiting. So watch, do you see what I'm showing you here? Nehemiah was not in the arena of waiting. His job was a, was a right now job. It was a, you make a decision now, you move right now. And this was his role in the Persian government. He was trusted, he was esteemed, he was intelligent, he was quick on his feet. He held all of the attributes of a successful cupbearer. And watch, and not one of those attributes, not one of them would have been an attribute of waiting. Waiting. Notice this here, he's still burdened. He's still burdened. What is a burden? Webster's defines it this way, that which is born with labor or difficulty, that which is grievous, wearisome, or oppressive. Nehemiah was burdened. He was weary. He was, he was, he was laboring. He was bearing uh, on this load on his shoulders of this condition of his homeland. Do you see that in verse number one again? Look at this. Verse number one in uh, chapter one, the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hekeliah, and it came to pass in the month Chislu, in the 20th year as I was in Shushan, the palace. So Chislu is November, December, if we would look at it in our calendar, right? Uh, whether that's super accurate, that's not really the point, but I'm going to show you what the point is. Notice here, for chapter two, and it came to pass in the month Nisan, the 20th year. What is that? That's March or April. March or April. So you see what he's doing here. Look at this. Four months have passed. Four months have passed with this burden that he had been carrying. Four months. I mean, sometimes we miss these little things and we think, well, he got the news, uh, you know, day number two, he's, he's in front. It's like, you know, it's like some, some a movie or something. I mean, it just moves right along and you miss all these this time. No, four months went along. He was carrying this burden. Look at the end of verse one again uh, in, and, um, in, in chapter two. And he said, I had not been before time sad in his presence. So he was still carrying this burden. He was still distraught. He was still sad about the thought of what has been going on in his homeland. Four months. Think about being sad from now, March, April, May, June, July, August, till August. Do you think people get tired of being around you? Be like, come on, get over it, man. (laughs) Right? So you'd probably, you might get tired of it too, <laughs> right? Yeah. Four months. Four months he carried the burden. For four months he wept. For four months he prayed. Four months he fasted. He mourned. Four months and the burden was still heavy. And for some reason, this day before Artaxerxes, he couldn't hide it and it came out and he saw it. And Artaxerxes says, hey, what are you all sad about? Four months. He's been waiting, waiting, waiting. At the, in verse 11, remember he's saying, Lord, Lord, help, listen to me, hear me, help, what do we do? Four months later, nothing has happened. Can I tell you some terrible news? You know, God makes us wait, doesn't he? <laughs> How many of you ever had to wait for God? 
I think all of us in here probably have. You've waited on God. Hey, you are in good company, right? If, you, if you're waiting tonight for something, if you've been waiting for five years or 10 years or 20 years for something that you've been beseeching God for and begging God to do, can I tell you, you are in good company. You really are. Abraham waited 25 years. David waited 14 years to become king. Joseph, how long did Joseph wait in prison? I mean, Moses waited 40 years to ever go back and deliver Israel out of Egypt like he wanted to do in the first place. Israel waited 400 years in Egypt. Paul waited three years in the, in the, in, in the Arabian desert. I'm telling you, God, listen, God's people are going to wait sometimes. We're going to wait on him. We're going to wait on him. And if God is in it, you're going to be waiting. You say, God doesn't show up immediately. Sometimes he does. I love that. While you're yet speaking, I'll answer thee. Oh, that's happened. I've had that happen. But boy, sometimes we just wait. Wait and wait and wait and wait. What do you do while you wait? Well, this is what Nehemiah is doing. You notice what he's done? He's just doing the next thing. What do you do while you wait? Just keep doing the next thing. Just go to church. Just read your Bible. Just pray. Just fast. Just, just, uh, just go out and tell people about Jesus Christ. Go to work. I mean, just do the next thing. Do what you're supposed to do. What, what Nehemiah did while he was waiting was he just did the next thing that he was supposed to do. He was going to work. He was tasting the wine. He was advising the king. He was checking the utensils. He was tasting the food. I mean, he was just doing what he was supposed to do. Watch, except he was doing it with a burden. It was heavy on him. Heavy. But you know what? It's pretty exciting when the door opens. How many of you have had that? You've waited and you've prayed and you've prayed and you've prayed and you've waited and you've waited. And all of a sudden the door opens. It's like, whoosh, I mean, you're going 100 miles an hour. It is open. It's like things are moving. Things are clicking. It's like, I can't keep up with this. What? It, well, it was God's time. Yeah, hey, hey, have you ever tried it without the door open and you're banging your head up against the door and nothing's working and everything you plan doesn't work and everything falls apart and you finally go, forget it, right? And about a months or years later, door opens and it's like, this is easy. This is great. Yeah. Jesus said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Wait on me. This is what happened. Nehemiah was waiting and waiting and waiting with his burden. But when the time was right, look at what happened here. Wherefore the king said unto me, verse 2, Why is thy countenance sad, seeing thou art not sick? This is nothing else but sorrow of heart. What are you sad about, man? He said, Oh, no. Look at this. I was very sore afraid. Friend, we will never understand the fear that went through Nehemiah's mind at this time. We can't. We cannot understand this. We don't know what it's like to live under, under this type of a system and this type of a government or, or work for somebody like this who at any moment without giving an account to anybody could have anybody taken off the planet and nobody would ask him a question about it. Yeah. Why are you sad, Nehemiah? What is this? Well, God's opening a door. God is opening a door. For months he's been praying, he's been weeping, he's been asking God, how, how do I get to Jerusalem? He just, I got to get back, I need to get back, I need to get back. And maybe day after day he wiped the tears away and washed his face and kind of, you know, got himself together and went to work and tried to hide it day after day, month after month after month. You ever been there? 
You ever been there? Day after day at work, you're hiding a burden that's on you. Day after day. And it seemed like nothing had happened. But this day, it all came to a head on a particular day. This day, God opened the door. And this day, it, when he opened the door, I'm telling you, was it didn't shut either. And it was easy to pass through. He said, you're not sick, Nehemiah. What's the problem? Yeah. Look at verse 3. This is his first response. Then I said unto the king, let the king live forever. What was he establishing? Whatever's going on in my heart isn't about you. We're good. I'm not against you. <laughs> right? We don't have the problem. King, live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad when the city... The place of my father's sepulchers lieth waste, and the gates thereof are consumed with fire. Have you ever been a part of something that was a great thing, and then years later, it get, you, you find out years later it's fallen and it's been brought to destruction? It's, it's burdening at times, isn't it? I know, I, I hear, I've heard the stories of, of many pastors that have retired and then they've watched the direction of a church they left. They poured their heart and their life and their, their tears and their sweat and blood into day after day after day, protecting the flock and trying to keep it all running straight and trying to keep the wolves out and keeping everything aside. And like two years later, you're like, it happens, friend. It happens. Yeah. Absolutely. We can look at churches around Springfield, Missouri, where it happened. Yeah. You know, there's a special church on uh, Highway 65 that used to be downtown over on uh, a certain road in Springfield that uh, was a, just a, a powerful, powerful church in this area. Yeah. No doubt started Calvary Baptist Church here in Nixa. Nona Blevins' baptismal record showed Calvary, showed High Street Baptist Church. They had sent the one out here to start this. Started Mound, where, where James is at. Mound, 80 year, 80 year anniversary. W. Dow started Mound Independent Baptist Church. Just celebrated their 80th year anniversary out here in Oldfield. No, just a, just a, just a great testimony. Yeah. Joined the SBC a few years ago. Don't even have Baptist, so it just says High Street Church. I know it's recorded, I don't care. I'm serious. This is what people do. It's a burden. It's a burden to look back and to see what was put into these places, where the, some of these others around, where, where they are. I mentioned uh, Highland Park a few weeks a few weeks ago there in Chattanooga. Uh, com- completely gone. All of it's gone. They, they, they left. They took Baptists. It's called Church of the Highlands now. You know, just a, uh, just a emergent style church. It's all gone. It's a burden. There's a college in our back door over here in the 70s. It was just a powerhouse. It really was. Had some godly men and women there. Yeah. Now they're scraping to keep a few hundred people there and join the SBC to help them out. Yeah. Maybe it's family property that's just gone. Maybe it's, you know, maybe it's a, uh, maybe it's, I don't know, maybe it's a vehicle. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's your children. Maybe, oh my goodness, you pour into them and you pour into them, right? And sometimes, yeah, it, it, it leaks, they let it leak out somewhere, right? Hey, it's a burden. 
This is where Nehemiah is. You, you just fill in the blank of your own life where the, where the burden is, 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 and we get a little bit of an understanding where Nehemiah is. He's risking his job. He's risking his status. He's risking his own life, blurting out what is making him so sad. And for some reason, here he has seized the opportunity. But notice what happens next in verse 4. It's a surprising question. I don't know if he gulped. I don't know if he's waiting like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> right? Look at verse 4. Then the king said unto me, For what dost thou make request? Okay, Nima, what do you want? I prayed. I like that. I prayed unto the Lord. Right? First Thessalonians 5.19, Pray without ceasing. Oh boy, that, this is a time. This is a time. So I prayed to the God of heaven, and I said unto the king, If it please the king, and if thy servant have found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldest send me to Judah, unto the city of my father's sepulchres, that I, might, that I may build it. Yeah. Do you think Nehemiah has already had this in his heart? Obviously, hasn't he? It's been four months. Do you see the answer he, he said, how quickly he got that out? It seems fairly quickly. I don't think he would have sat there for a couple hours figuring it out, right? He said, King, that's what I want to do. You know what I'm pretty convinced of? It was, it's been on Nehemiah's heart for four months. It's been a burden on him. We see here it's been a burden on him for four months. He's been asking God. He's been wanting to get back. He's been, well, watch. He's got a burden on him and he wants to do something about it. And while he's waiting, God said, it's time. I'm going to use you. Waiting. See, just because you're waiting, it doesn't mean we just sit around and twiddle our thumbs, right? Well, I'm just waiting on God. Yeah. Hey, I've got some work for you to do. I know you're out of a job. You want to come? I got a little bit of work. Oh, I'm just waiting on God. <laughs> right? That, that, no, that's not it. What if God's timetable was directly correlated to your preparation and planning to accomplish what He's the burden he's given you to do. Yeah. I believe it was, it, it was attributed to, to, to Abraham Lincoln. I don't know if he really said it or not, but it was attributed to him. He said, if I had eight hours, or supposedly he said, if I had eight hours to chop down a tree, I would spend six hours sharpening my axe. Preparation. Hey, some of the times we're waiting is because God's wanting us to prepare and be honed and sharpened so we'll be prepared for what he wants us to do when the doors open. Sometimes he's just waiting. Yeah. Why'd David wait 14 years? He wasn't ready. It wasn't time, right? Nehemiah has been waiting here for some time. And, and listen, he, it's finally, it's time for him to go. And uh, he's prepared and he's ready. How did he prepare? Well, prayer, fasting. The burden hadn't left him. He says, send me to Judah. Verse 5 and verse 6, he says, how long, will you, how long and when will you return? Look at this. Verse 6, and the king said unto me, the queen also sitting by him. You know, I have, I have sought to try to figure out if that was Esther. What a weird parenthetical statement there. Esther was married to Ahasuerus, of course. You have Artaxerxes. Uh, 
I don't know, give you something to, mm-hmm. to go investigate on. But it's about the same, the same time frame. For how long shall thy journey be, and when wilt thou return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I set him a time. You know what the king says here? He says, sure, go ahead. (laughs) I mean, you talk about a relief. Sure, go ahead, that'd be fine. You know what I love about God's timing? And maybe we'll get into this again some other time. What I love about God's timing? When God opens the door... Watch, it, just, it works, number one, it just goes, it goes smoothly. And listen, God ends up funding it as well. The Babylonian Empire, this empire, they're going to pay for this. They're going to fund it, right? They're going to fund all of this. And I love how that happens. So it pleased the king. So it pleased the king to send me. What a change a day can bring, huh? (laughs) He woke up that morning, the burden had been heavier probably than ever before. So heavy, so heavy was that burden that he couldn't keep it in anymore. Yeah, But it was God's time. See, I think God increased that burden on him. If Nehemiah had not kept the burden during the wait, he would have never heard the yes from the king. If he hadn't kept the burden, it was serious enough for him to keep it. Isn't it amazing to you as we look around at our nation falling apart, how many people just have their head in the sand? I mean, just oblivious. As long as they've got a phone in front of them and games in front of them and they can sit in their basement and play video games. I mean, the, the world is just, flee, you know, just flying by them while it's, it's literally burning down around us. It's amazing to me. And it's easy to do, friend. I mean, listen, uh, the, uh, the, the powers that be, they know how to orchestrate in our country to keep you dumbed down and missing everything that's going along. I mean, everything is a, is a, a bait and a switch and a, a, game, a thing over here and shock over here and all over here. And, I mean, you're just missing that uh, China and Russia are making alliances and OPEC just cut oil production and Japan dropped the dollar and India dropped the dollar. I mean, listen, friend. Hmm. Our nation is coming to a crashing halt. It absolutely is. Russia and China are joining up, and China is actually involved with this peace agreement with what, Saudi Arabia or something? Not us, but China. Yeah. And no burden. No burden. I'm not talking about a burden for our nation as America. I mean, that's part of it because, listen, the light goes out here. The light goes out in missions. The light goes out in in, uh, planting churches. I mean, look what happened to COVID. (laughs) How many churches just absolutely just folded, shut down? I mean, fear. I mean, wait wait till the government comes in and strong arms says, oh, no, you won't. You know, yeah. I know my brother is... 
where he, where he has been for 16, 17 years, whatever it's been now, 15, 16 years. <clears throat> says, oh yeah, every, every fluctuation of the dollar, we lose support. Not because the church drops, but because the dollar loses value. We don't think of those things, do we? Yeah. You know, you lose, you, when you're living on, which I, I don't know how they live on so little in a country so expensive. But when you live on so little and lose 5, 10, 15 percent, that's a lot of money, friend. Yeah. Yeah. A burden. A burden. What do you have a burden for? Who do you have a burden for? Obviously, God gives burdens, right? God puts people on our heart. God puts things on our mind. So it seems like sometimes our eyes get open just for a moment and it's like, oh, it's overwhelming. Yeah. Do you know why Crimson Avenue Baptist Church is moving forward? Because we should have a burden for the city around us. We should have a burden for those that are lost and dying and on their way to hell. I mean, do we still believe in hell, right? I think we do. Right? But every two and a half seconds, somebody dies and goes into eternity. Every two and a half seconds, the soul dies and goes into eternity. We still believe, we still believe that they're going to exist eternally somewhere, right? A burden, a burden for those that are around us. A burden for the city that God has placed us in. We've talked about, uh, I mean, just look at the educational system. Look at what's in the libraries. Look what they're fighting over. And even though the city did uh, the right thing, the school board, and got rid of all of these books, you have a whole bunch of kids in ACLU fighting to put them back in. It's a mess. You know what fixes it? The gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, that's too simplistic. No, it's not. It's not that simple. It's that simple. And either you believe it or you don't. Well, they may not all get saved. God didn't say they'd all get saved. Right? But there are those that will. We have no idea to know the extent of what one soul brought to Christ, what effect can be made and what change could be made effectively in our city and in our state and in our world. What do you have a burden for? Would you turn over to Zephaniah 3 and we're going to, I'm going to end with this. I'm going to show you something about a burden. Zephaniah chapter 3. Israel has been in captivity. The nation has been destroyed it's been destroyed nationally. It's been destroyed financially. And here God is speaking. And at the end of Zephaniah, right before Haggai, Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 14, God says this. Zephaniah three fourteen. I know you might have to go to the index at the front. <laughs> Nine sixty one in Martin's Bible. Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. Here we go. 
Verse 14, Sing, O daughter of Zion, shout, O Israel, be glad and rejoice with all, thy, with all the heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord hath taken away thy judgment and hath cast out thine enemy. The King of Israel, even the Lord, is in the midst of thee. Thou shalt not see evil any more. In that day it shall not be, it shall, I'm sorry, in that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear thou not, and to Zion, let not thine hands be slack. The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. God, God sings about his kids. I love that. Hmm. Verse 18. Look what he says. I will gather them that are sorrowful for the solemn assembly who are of thee to whom the reproach of it was a burden. Let me read that again slowly. I will gather them that are sorrowful for the solemn assembly. I will gather them that are sorrowful for the solemn assembly who are of thee to whom the reproach of it was a burden. What is God saying there? Who is he gathering? What did I say? Israel was destroyed nationally. They were destroyed financially. But to some in Israel, worse than the, than the financial and the national destruction, worse to them was the destruction of the relationship with their God. And the temple had closed down and the solemn assemblies had stopped. And God says here, I'm going to gather those, look at those people, them that are sorrowful for the solemn assembly, I'm going to gather them up. Look at this, who are of thee to whom the reproach of it was a burden. You know, there are some in Israel, even though it was destroyed, there were some in Israel who had a heart for God and they were sorrowful and they were burdened about the spiritual condition of their nation. They were burdened that the temple was shut down. They were burdened that all of the solemn assemblies had been stopped. And God says, you, I'm going to gather you up. The ones with the burdens. I'm going to get you together. And I'm going to gather you up and take you in. Look what he says in verse 19. Behold, at that time I will, I will undo all that afflict thee. Who's the thee? Those that were sorrowful. At the condition of their nation. Spiritual condition of their nation. Those that had the burden for the spiritual condition of their nation. I will, I will uh, undo all that afflict thee. And I will save her that halteth. And gather her that was driven out. And I will get them praise and fame in every land where they have been put to shame. At that time will I bring you again. Even in the time that I gather you. For I will make you a name and a praise among the people of the earth. When I turn back your captivity before your eyes saith the Lord. What am I saying? God takes notice of a burden. God takes notice of a sorrowful heart, of a, of a sorrow and a burden. When, 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 when somebody know, has a, how do I say that? A sorrow and a burden over the spiritual conditions of a nation or of a home or of a family. God takes note and he shows up. So what do we do as we move forward as a church? We're moving forward. What do we do while we move forward? Look around you, would you? Would you ask God, would you open my eyes? Yeah. Would you open my eyes? 
Get a burden. Just, just go out and get one. I, I, you know what, friend? I bet if you just open, if we open our eyes long enough and kept in tune with the Lord, we'd get a burden. There is plenty to be burdened over. Get a burden. Keep it. <laughs> Keep the burden. God has put something on your heart. God has put somebody on your heart. Someone. Something. Keep that burden. Wait till God opens the door. Just do the next thing. Wait till He opens the door. When He opens the door, act on it. It might be a family member. It might be a neighbor. It might be somebody you work with. It may be opportunity in a in a city hall or opportunity in a, in a school. If God puts a burden on you, stay there until He opens the door. Listen, this is how Calvary, Crimson Avenue Baptist Church, that's the one we're at. This is how we move forward. Move forward with a burden. With a burden. Watch, God will open doors. Absolutely. And when He does, get ready. Get ready. Our Father, thank you for the word tonight. Thank you for the reminder tonight. I think the problem with some of us, Lord, we just have no burdens anymore. No sorrow of heart. Jesus, you said, blessed are they that mourn for righteousness' sake. Father, would you give us a burden tonight? If we just start here at Nixa, it is an awful mess. Oh, there's lots of money, a good, good amount of wealth laying around now, great jobs, a booming city, growing, 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 growing. Yeah. But a multitude that still need the gospel. God, would you give us that burden tonight? And that burden that you give us, Lord, would you help us to keep that and help us to wait on you and help us to be ready to act with a plan, a plan of action when the door opens. Thank you for this tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't we stand tonight? The instrument's going to play. We'll have just a short time of invitation. You need to get alone with the Lord tonight. Do that, please. You have a burden? Do you have a burden? Has God given you a burden? Maybe it's good, good to get alone with the Lord and say, Lord, I, I just don't, I haven't had a burden of anything or anybody in a long time. And I, I, I don't know if that's right in the life of a believer to be tooling along with life with never, never a burden, never, never something that comes along that just grips our attention to the reality of the problem that some are in.
Amen. Let's be dismissed in a word of prayer tonight. Brother Davidson, would you close us, please? Brother.